Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Molly McCord. Molly is a practicing intuitive astrologer who has connected with clients in over 20 countries and hosts a popular weekly radio show that's attracted over 70,000 downloads in the first year. Molly has a BA in political science and women's studies and a master's degree in international relations and diplomacy as a formal channel for understanding global consciousness with a Jungian perspective. She is TESOL certified and volunteers her time teaching English to college-level international students. Molly is currently an ambassador for Women for Women International, a nonprofit organization which provides education and business training for marginalized women in developing countries. She's the founder and director of Spirituality University, an online destination for mastery courses and consciousness-raising resources. Thank you so much for joining me, Molly. Thank you for having me, Jessica. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to speak with you today. So, Molly, the concept of consciousness can be a little bit confusing for those who might think in a literal sense. It's a word that sounds, and it really looks, a bit like conscientious. And for those who really don't follow the conscientiousness scene, it can come across a little weird or silly. Like, we're not unconscious, so of course we're living and we're conscious. (laughs) Right. Can you shed some light on what this means in simple terms? Absolutely, yes, because you think, well, I'm not in a coma, so I'm conscious, right? (laughs) Right. Um, So the concept of being more conscious in our lives is essentially connected with greater awareness and mindfulness and being more aware of ourselves and what we are experiencing internally and externally. And in terms of understanding consciousness more, I usually start by looking at emotions, And for example, look at a time when you're feeling a strong reaction to something. And and let's say that's anger. Let's say you're you're angry about something or someone does something or says something and you just feel that energy rising up in you. Well, from a consciousness perspective, you would look at that anger as a messenger and see, okay, I'm I'm feeling this, I get it, it's okay to feel this way, it's okay to have this reaction, but what is the higher meaning here? What is the higher understanding of what I'm feeling? Why am I being triggered? So essentially with consciousness, you begin to start questioning yourself. And I don't mean that in the in a you're not doubting yourself, but you're questioning and also observing yourself in a new way. And that's where you begin to see yourself differently. You see yourself in a detached manner. You see, oh, I'm really angry because of of something this person said um, that just, you know, really got to me. And you start to see, well, maybe this pattern has come up throughout my life. Or maybe there's been other areas where I've also had anger about this same topic or issue. Um, So that's just a really easy way to look at it. But essentially, consciousness is where you start to look at yourself and really self-reflect and self-evaluate what you are experiencing. So you said a word earlier when you were explaining consciousness, and you said the word trigger. And you're talking about how certain emotions can trigger you. What exactly would someone need to look at if they're getting angry? 
what would they do next in order to achieve a higher state of consciousness? Well, I think it's really important to honor that emotion, to honor what's coming up as, again, as a messenger, as, as something that's telling you, okay, I'm having a strong reaction to this information, to this situation, to this experience. And what it shows you then is that that anger is just a starting point for what you do next. And so say, for example, an unconscious next step would be um, shouting, yelling, um, you know, doing something violent, uh, w which is what we see a lot of around us at times when we think of anger. But a more conscious practice or way to look at this is to say, okay, I'm feeling the anger, I'm pissed off, I'm not happy, I'm, you know, you're, you're really owning that feeling, but then you're also making then a conscious choice about what to do with it next. And you can say, all right, I just need to cool off, I need some time by myself, or, or give me a minute here to figure this out or to think with this. You're making that strong decision to be in charge of your energy. You're making a conscious choice. And we also know this as sometimes uh, we will react to something instead of consciously respond to something. So when you are more conscious of yourself, when you are really practicing this stuff, you are becoming more aware of your energy, of your emotions, and, and really allowing them to teach you more about yourself. In the beginning of your book, Your Awakening Self, you describe a dream that you had about an acupuncturist who you were going to see. Your dream gave you some deep insight into what to do in your waking life. Can you explain this story for our listeners and tell us a little bit about how it guided you to make a really important decision from a place of clarity? Yes, definitely. So I always, I love acupuncture and my beloved acupuncturist had moved away. And so I was looking for a new practitioner and I went to this gentleman that I found um, uh, through a referral and uh, was interested in learning more about what I needed to do to take care of my body. And as I was in this initial consultation with him, I was feeling some interesting vibes, if you will. It was, you know, he was saying some good things and giving me solid information, but something felt a little bit off. And there were some things about our connection that started to make me feel uncomfortable, but I couldn't understand why it was, it was actually quite bizarre. And so I, you know, went through with the whole appointment and, um, went home that night and, you know, life is normal and, uh, went to sleep that night and I had a dream, a really strong dream about, uh, another lifetime about being in another experience, uh, where it was most definitely this acupuncturist energy and me in this other scenario. It was in a Middle Eastern country in a really busy marketplace. And um, he was trying to get me to do something that really wasn't in integrity with what I wanted to do. And, and he was trying to sell me something. And so what was interesting is that I realized the next morning when I woke up that that energy was actually what I was feeling during my initial consultation with him is that he was actually trying um, to get me to pay cash for his services instead of having things go through insurance. And he wasn't wanting to follow the typical procedures. And, and this was an issue for me. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to pay cash um, unnecessarily. And so 
the dream just brought me more information about this exact scenario. And I actually started to feel that I couldn't trust him. I didn't want to go back to see him again and that this wasn't the right choice. And it was interesting because, you know, we all have dreams that can seem really weird and we think, well, what is this about? Or that's random or that's not, you know, that's not, it doesn't seem like that's a fit. But when we are expanding our consciousness, we see how we're actually receiving exactly the messages we need. And we may think it's coincidence, uh, but it's really synchronicity. It's really looking at it as there's information coming through that's meant to help you make the right choice, that's meant to connect you with your power, and that's meant to support you with whatever you're contemplating or whatever decision is coming through. Yet, we will doubt it or we'll say no no that's that's not right we, we won't trust it and so this was an instance in my life I've had so many of these and, and I'm sure many listeners have too where you realize you have to just trust your gut and you have to trust uh, what you know and what you're feeling and make decisions based on that even if it doesn't seem rational um, so for me Jessica it was basically realizing that this this acupuncturist wasn't a good fit for me because of this other uh, experience we had in another lifetime. And it was by trusting that experience that I believe I made the right choice in that situation. It's really fascinating to me because in our subconscious, when we're dreaming, we aren't really experiencing the emotions that we feel in, a, you know, in the conscious way that we do when we're actually living and we're not dreaming. So, Dreams, in a way, they tell us how we're really meant to be feeling in our waking life. So how can you know anyone who's listening use their dreams to maybe explore their emotions a little bit better in their waking life? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and dreams are fascinating because they are different for each of us. You know, you can have uh, you can remember your own dreams every morning, or you could be one of those people who says, I never remember my dreams. I never recall what's happening. Um, but dreams are something that we can absolutely work with because they're working with a different part of our brain, um, different parts of our neurological programming. And what a dream will really show you is how you feel about something. So, Take, for example, if you are starting a new job or you're moving to a new town and you have anxiety or you're worried or you're nervous, you could have dreams that reflect that energy, that reflect those feelings, but they might not literally be dreams about starting a new job or moving to a new town. But the dream is showing you your, your feelings that, are, that you're currently experiencing. The other thing about dreams is that they often can be really good ways to check in with yourself at a deeper level. Um, what's happening on a deeper layer of your being because our dreams are also connected to more of our soul energy, more of our higher self's energy. And I know that those are the metaphysical concepts that maybe not everyone is aware of, but um, I believe that we have layers of energies working with us and within us and that dreams can be a conduit of messages that we're ready to receive and to know. So again, it comes back to trusting, trusting what you feel, um, but knowing that dreams are another way to expand your consciousness of, of who you are. I know that 
some people use lucid dreaming or meditation as a technique to really tap into this higher state of consciousness. What would you recommend to listeners who might be just kind of starting out or just getting familiar with these concepts? I think that one of the best tools you can use is a guided meditation, something that is guiding you through a process. Um, a, a meditation experience or taking you to another place. And there's some really good guided meditations out there these days. I know that, uh, for example, Deepak Chopra has some on Amazon. Um, and there's other other people who have notable medit- guided meditations available. And this is just a great way to get into that place of listening and guiding your mind through an experience that is actually quite easy. So that's one of the things I recommend is starting with guided meditations because that'll also help you prepare for doing regular meditation if you don't already. So that's one of the best tools I recommend for people is, is the guided meditations. And what are some, I guess, things that might happen when you experience this deeper consciousness or this higher level of consciousness, I know that it can be almost scary to some people to kind of go through this this different dimension almost. You're kind of really tapping into the soul of who you are. What are some signs that you're really becoming more in tune with who you are meant to become as a human? Oh, that's a great question, Jessica. And I think one of the best things is that you feel more joy. You feel bliss. You, you have these higher feelings that perhaps you don't normally tap into in your everyday life, but you start to feel more at peace. You have clarity about a situation or something you're going through. Um, You just connect to this part of yourself. It's like you rise up out of your human self, out of your ego mind, and you start to feel, um, I don't even know how to describe it because I feel it as joy and bliss and just um, a peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I didn't know was possible at times. And, and when the more you do it, the easier it is to access it. And it also becomes um, much more a part of your regular life. So I think it's certainly worthwhile and it's worth the time. It's worth the practice as well. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I had a similar experience when I was doing a yoga nidra class. I experienced extreme amounts of like joy and bliss during this meditation practice. And, you know, when I'm in it, it's like I don't even recognize that there's this other body. There's this other self to me. I'm experiencing pure joy and bliss in the present moment. And it's, it's like so much fun once you can kind of like tap into that. Personally, do you do any, do you have a regular meditation practice or do you regularly do anything else like lucid dreaming to really kickstart your way into a higher consciousness? I love meditation and I don't do it every day, to be honest, but I do it regularly, um, whether that's a few times a week. Um, and I, and I do it for different lengths of time. Like sometimes it's just five minutes and, and that's great because that's what I need. And then sometimes it's 30 minutes. Um, I actually really like to do some quiet meditation before I go to sleep at night. Um, I've just been able to train my brain to relax and tone down and then, you know, be able to drift off to sleep. So that's another time when I will practice relaxing my mind and and really going into that deeper state. Um, I also will do it 
<laughs> I do it when I'm having a hard time, when I'm really feeling something intensely, whether that is confusion or I'm, you know, upset or, or something is coming up, um, which, which happens in life. Of course, that's when I really say, okay, one of the best ways I can move through this is by just taking a moment and, and going into that meditative state. And I, that's also when I do a guided meditation because that's when I like to have something to move me through, um, and not to stay stuck in my own head. So those are some of the ways that I, I use it regularly and, and always benefit from it. It's cool because it doesn't matter how many times you do it, you still get more out of it every time you meditate. Totally. And it's funny you say that you meditate when you're going through a challenging time because it seems like the opposite. So many people, when they get stressed, they think they need to do more and more. But really, when you learn to kind of slow down your mind and you can tap into a, you know, a meditation practice during that difficult time, it seems like you can really learn from that experience and grow from whatever is challenging you. Yes. Beautifully said. Yes. And, um, that isn't always the first thing I want to do. In fact, there's times when I'll go for a walk and then meditate or vice versa. I'll meditate and then go for a walk, you know, or exercise or do something to move the energy through me physically. But I think that, um, those are two key areas that help us um, move forward when we're going through a difficult time. It's, it's that ability to tap into a higher perspective and, and greater wisdom. And then also the ability to be physical, to, to really move the adrenaline through you um, or, or whatever needs to be released. I think that's important too. Oh gosh, I need to work out or move my body at least every day. Meditation and, and dreams or, or rather sleeping are pretty grounding uh, techniques that you can do. Grounding is really important when you're experiencing higher vibrational states and meditation and running and movement, walking, whatever it may be, are really grounding activities, especially if you can do them in nature. Why is grounding and self-care so important as you experience maybe a higher vibrational consciousness? We need to be able to be in our human selves and to feel in present, to feel here. And so grounding practices can be as simple as taking really deep, slow breaths, just to even take three deep breaths, you know, count to five and exhale. That right there will bring you back into your body and, and back into a, a sense of being present. Um, eating protein is really good after you're meditating a lot, just like after you exercise, you know, you, you need protein for your muscles. Well, we also need that nutrient, those nutrients to, to really help take care of our body as part of a really important part of self-care because the protein feeds you on so many levels. So that's something else I recommend to people is that after you're meditating a lot, after you work out, um, even after a nap where you feel like you had a really intense dream state, if you eat protein, it's going to help ground you. It's going to help bring you back into your body. And then anything where you're in nature, whether it's even just, you know, touching the sand or touching a tree or gardening or something that's really simple, it's also going to help bring you back to the present moment. And all of this really supports our, our ability to enjoy life in a moment-to-moment -moment way and also 
to understand that we're in charge of our energy. We're in charge of our choices. And so you, you could feel, um, you know, going back to that example, Jessica, of anger, you know, anger can take you away from yourself. It can take you out into other places, but you can also make choices that bring you back into your center and, and it makes the anger actually dissolve and, and go away and, and not as big of a deal. So that's one of the reasons why the grounding and self-care is so important because, again, it brings you back into yourself and, and really can make you feel more powerful just in the present moment. And while we're in the present moment, we may experience various states of consciousness. In one of your books, you describe the four life cycle states. And you explain the difference between spiritual infants, children, teenagers, and adults. I've heard different types of people and different layers of consciousness explained in various ways, but I just love the simplicity that you use to describe these various states of consciousness. Can you go into detail and explain the different life cycle states? Absolutely, yes. I, I thought this was quite fun. Like This is the information that came through um, during a meditation and I love the simplicity of it, too. And I was like, I better write this down before I lose it. Um, but mm -hmm. the what it is is understanding that everyone is learning spiritual information in a different phase of development. And so if you think about a spiritual infant, well, that is um, a focus on very basic concepts in life, right? Think about an infant. It's very primal, very in the moment. It, it's not complicated. And so spiritual infant is a individual or someone who's just very much all about what's in their immediate environment. Um, they don't understand maybe how they relate to the bigger picture or to other people. They're just kind of centered in their own world. Um, and so the focus can be on the physical body and money and ego and um, titles and, and all these things in life that maybe um, to other people seem frivolous, but to a spiritual infant, this is their identity. And so they're looking for uh, comfort and simplicity in their life. Mm. Then, um, when the next would be a spiritual child, which is an understanding that, oh yeah, there's a bigger world out there and there's other people I can play with and interact with. And they're looking to learn. They want a leader. They want a parent or someone to follow, um, someone that they can learn from and perhaps um, embody what they're doing. And so a spiritual child is also, you know, interested in immediate life environments, uh, but is understanding that there's also a bigger world out there. And then we go into a spiritual teenager, which is a little bit more of a pushing the boundaries energy, you know, like, what can I get away with? What can I try? Um, a spiritual teenager will go to extremes, uh, we'll, we'll want to see what they can do to the full extent. This can be reckless. Um, it can be righteousness. Um, it's usually about exploring and, you know, experimenting. Think about a teenager. Think about how teenagers are curious and, and they want to see what they can do in the world. And so they're also heavily influenced by their peers. And then we go into spiritual adults. And this is usually where there is a sense of responsibility. There's a there's a maturity. There's an understanding that, okay, I am just one in the world of billions. And how can I contribute? How can I give back? Um, spiritual adults also have a hard time um, perhaps relaxing and trusting because they've had the weight of the world 
on their shoulders or they've experienced a lot and they know how complex life can be, but there can also be a deeper level of trust and of service and really giving back to others and to help other people with their growth. Um, so every one of these four phases has, you know, their benefits and, and their areas that they're learning. And I just, I, I think that this is a, a nice way to understand perhaps, um, you know, where different people are in their spiritual growth. If a spiritual infant is listening, would they even resonate or recognize that they are a spiritual infant? Chances are they are emerging into being more of a spiritual child, like expanding their curiosity. But I guess one way to look at that would be a self-evaluation of, am I overly concerned with my possessions, with my physical body, with sex, with my job? Like, is all of that defining me to the point where I don't even want to grow or expand beyond that? Because realistically, you could be a spiritual infant your whole life. And so there has to be that willingness to grow or that willingness to know more or, or, or to expand. And it doesn't have to happen chronologically even. I mean, a spiritual infant could take on a lot of information. Um, you hear this about people who have this big awakening or big life change and they decide to make some radical changes in their life and, and they go on a spiritual journey or they start uh, learning more spiritual teachings and then all of a sudden perhaps they feel more like a spiritual teenager. So it doesn't have to happen um, in a linear fashion, but chances are there's something that really urges them forward, that shocks their system, if you will, and, and they grow really quickly. Some people don't even realize that they're on this journey until retrospect. And, and you went on a journey yourself when in a number of different ways, and you describe, you describe these experiences in your book. Um, one of them was going to Paris. Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about that experience and what made that so spiritual for you? Absolutely. So that's um, from my spiritual memoir, The Art of Trapeze. And in that book, it's essentially about following my dream and following the call of my soul to move to Paris. And I moved there and went to graduate school and worked at the U.S. Embassy and fell in love and traveled through Europe. And it was just a dream come true. And it, I had this expectation of this was it, like this was the life for me. This is what I wanted to do. And this is where I wanted to stay. And yet, you know, spirit had something else in store. Um, what's that great saying? You know, when, when God, when we make plans, God laughs. Um, right. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot of things that changed um, at that time in my life. And in fact, I didn't stay in Paris. And um, it actually led me into myself in a new way, into understanding more about my inner world. And um, I don't want to, you know, give away too much in the book, but the idea is that we have these goals in our life and there's things we want to achieve and experience and do, of course. But from a higher consciousness perspective, we can see them all as how we're learning about ourselves, like our our brightest places and our darkest corners. And And if we can see the fullness of an experience, that is when we really tap into our true power and our true deeper sense of who I am and who I am here to be. So that's, um, that's kind of the gist of, of the book. But the idea is that we're so much more than any one experience and that there's a lot uh, within our lives that 
that we have to embrace and, and to, to teach us more about ourselves. And a lot of it comes down to energy. And there's a difference in the energy of a spiritual being rather than a spiritual human. Can you explain the difference? Yes. So a spiritual being is that energy of beingness. Um, you know, when we are, say, relaxing, <laughs> when you're relaxing on the beach and you're just hanging out, um, that's a different energy than a spiritual human, which is the energy of, of doing something. Um, and so say the in that analogy, the spiritual human is swimming and exerting effort and really putting itself out there. Um, there's value in both. And our lives are composed of both. You know, we have to be doing, um, we're meant to be here to be doing, to move, to grow, to expand. But then we also have to have those experiences of just being a spiritual being, of just trusting, allowing, and surrendering. And I think too often in our Western civilization, we don't allow ourselves to do that. I mean, they say that many Americans don't even take their all of their vacation days in a calendar year because they don't want to miss work or they don't want to miss emails. Um, so we have to also practice that spiritual beingness and allowing life to carry us at times instead of feeling like we always have to be doing and achieving. And there really are no shortcuts to this being process. There are multiple ways to attempt to take shortcuts or talk the talk but not know the walk. That's what you write in your book. And then you give an analogy in one of your books. You say, anyone can buy a brownie mix off of the store shelf, add water, and bake it. That recipe will have one type of energy, and it will resonate with others in the same energy field. Or you can invest time and energy into creating your own recipe and know every ingredient deeply and personally, which will be another energetic creation. Can you explain how this brownie mix symbolism translates into something practical in the real world? Yes, definitely. I think one of the ways that it shows up is through our relationships, through our friendships. You know, the people that we really strongly resonate with, um, we can have the deeper converse conversations or we really feel a stronger connection with. Um, we'll want to invest more of our time and energy in those relationships, whether it's friendships, a marriage, partnership, what have you. And then we have our acquaintances and perhaps our colleagues or people we know, um, you know, friends of friends. And so there's still a connection there, but it's not as strong. The energy isn't, you know, that deep pull. And so I feel like in our lives, we're, we're making some really conscious choices about how we want to spend our time and, and who we want to spend energy with. And I believe that the more time that we spend with the quality relationships and the quality connections is where we start to feel um, even a, a deeper sense of happiness, of validation, of joy. And, and it's important to invest our energy there. So I hope that answers your question, Jessica, but that's, that's what I'm feeling. It's like the the idea that we really want to make the best of our lives, and but it's up to us to make choices around how we experience quality in all areas of our life. Lao Tzu said, the key to growth is the introduction of higher dimensions of consciousness into our awareness. And he said this way back in the day. What is it about this knowledge that these folks had from way back then? And why did we get away from it? And 
And today, in this current state of humanity, why is it that we're urgently feeling the need to go back in time to relearn this ancient wisdom? I think that's a great point and that it is really timely right now because we have been all living, I would say, the extremes of Western civilization. You know, we, we get our education, we go to work, um, we have our busy family lives, we're on social media, you know, we have all these things in our lives that are essentially, they take us outside of ourselves. And a lot of ancient wisdom is about bringing you back to inside of yourself and looking at who you are on deeper levels and as we spoke about earlier, meditation is one of these gateways to knowing yourself better. And so I think that we're understanding that it's not outside that we find all of our happiness, all of our success, all of our joy. And, um, you know, many other teachers have been saying this for decades. You know, you, you don't find all of yourself outside in the world. You find it within yourself. And so I feel that we've been out of balance in our Western cultures and that we're ready to stay curious and stay open to other ways to connect with who we are, our own happiness, um, you know, what brings us those simple joys. And I think that is really why we're being drawn to this information now. Um, and, and hopefully, ideally, you know, this continues for many people. It's great to see an increase in meditation. Um, just like 20 years ago, it was great to see this huge rise in yoga. So I think that some of these ancient practices are seeping their way into our busy lives and, and helping us come back to the center and, and back to knowing ourselves better. Yeah, and that's a great thing. Where can listeners find you online? So I am, my website is Conscious coolchic.com consciouscoolchic.com um, that website's been going strong for about five years now and I have a blog there and more about my books I'm also on Facebook and I'm on Twitter those are the main places I hang out and I love interacting with people and I even have a free uh, guidebook that you could download it's uh, 44 pages and you could find that at conscious soulgrowth.com consciouss.soulgrowth.com and you can download it and um, get some more insights about spiritual self-care and practical practical guidance. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, Molly. Thank you, Jessica. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at it's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with the art of humanity.